0: The following programme is a repeat of The Farm Show, which airs Thursday nights on KCLR from 7. Brought to you by tierlawnfarmlife.com This is The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought
1: to
2: you with thanks to tierlawnfarmlife.com
1: Yes, indeed, you're very welcome to The Farm Show and apologies for second week in a row coming up with a a hoarse voice but this bit of a cough is affecting my vocal cords, so... Uh, we'll continue anyway it's, it, it is me just in case someone thinks it's uh, someone incognito I'm hoping that my uh, panellists tonight will do most of the, the talking so that'll, uh, that'll that'll give me a chance to minimise my input uh, and on, in that regard we're joined in studio by Pat Cal uh, i had been known to a lot of uh, listeners from his roles various roles with Volak over the years but uh, he has moved on from there but has been travelling across the world and we'll hear uh, we'll hear what's happening most particularly in New Zealand and Australia from Pat as the evening goes on also in studio John Hughes uh, chairman or president chairman of the FCI Farm Contractors of Ireland uh, local man of course and uh, known to many many of our listeners for the services uh, himself and his family provide uh, in terms of contracting later on in the program we'll have a report from Eamon Carcher literally um back from the fields up in Orlingford where he'll Give some consideration, at least, to the challenges being faced by farmers uh, this particularly wet spring. And of course, we'll hear from Eric uh, in terms of sheep reporting, and George will be in studio to shoot the breeze on all things livestock. But first of all, Pat Cal, you're very welcome. Um As I say, you you you, you finished the day job uh, with Volak, but uh, busier than ever, I hazard. I guess you spent a couple of months uh, at the back end of 2023 in New Zealand.
3: Yeah. I- I, I suppose my sixth trip over there, Matt, I went back again doing a bit of work and supporting the company that we were working with, 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 um, through Volek over there, Nutrinza. Um, yeah, so I, I enjoy it over there.
1: Yeah, you, you have a lot of contacts, of course, built up over the years through, uh, through your work with Volak. But, um, the, in, in terms of your exposure to New Zealand farming, there's been huge changes, even from the last time we spoke, maybe a year ago.
3: Yeah, like everywhere I suppose, Matt, changes are are ongoing. Um, I think it was with around 80 or 100 farmers and contractors there in November, December and about 130 the previous October, November, December. Um, Lots of problems, lots of change, um, serious problems around environment. I have John here next to me, serious contractor problems I've seen this time, which I haven't seen in years before that. contractors under a lot more pressure. I mean, there's serious size contractors over there. We discussed it before a bit Matt with, you know, someone with 50, 80, 100 tractors, um, a lot of labor. And um, it's probably the first time, well, this is the first time in my visits over there anyway, that I, I've i come on four or five contractors that were get, selling out, getting out of business there this, this year. Probably it's happening a bit all the time, but it seemed to be very... Very clear that some medium-sized contractors are getting out of business, yeah. and
1: and and still the work has to be done. So that has implications for for farmers, absolutely, for for food yeah, producers,
3: absolutely, because um, there's always pressure on getting the work done. It's very seasonal as well. So um, as John is saying there earlier, that um, weather is going to have a huge impact on it. So a lot of it happens together all the time. So you get some contractors out, and um, it makes it gives even more pressure, yeah.
1: Yeah, and John, just to bring you in at this stage, then, and I, I, I was going to park you for a little while, if you'll pardon the pun, but uh, reflecting on what uh, Pat has said already, you, you can, you can, you can associate with
0: that. If we can, uh, just looking at the statistics from our own business, we're back a thousand acres on what planting we had done this time uh, over last year we've very little done this year because of the wet month obviously, and we all work around the weather and if the weather doesn't cooperate then it snowballs on, the the busy period gets shorter and shorter and uh, the work will have to be done eventually, but the question then is trying to reach on it with dwindling labor force and asking people to put in the extra effort is not always easy and we need cooperation from everybody staff suppliers farmers to be patient we will get the work done eventually i know we'll look back at this spring in the summer and we'll say you know it was tough but we'll get there so confidence i I believe we will get done yeah, th- and that's the tillage end of things. But of course, on the on the livestock
1: end, then uh, slurry—I call it organic fertilizer—but it's a huge issue now because
0: tanks are full, and the ground needs it to to yeah. to, to regrow indeed it does and and those who uh, specialise in the slurry business are mad busy at it uh, I hear them talking about it during the winter when they be waiting to get going in January and uh, it's a tough time to be working in it when the ground is soft and it's not easy to be able to get as much out as the client would like but little enough, and often I suppose is the rule at the moment in order to try and minimise any impact on the environment and to try and get to as many people as possible over the course of the fine weather when you do eventually get to it
1: yeah because loyalty obviously is a huge thing between contractors and farmers. Pat, just in terms of of, um, organic manures where are the New Zealand farmers compared to ourselves? I mean we have a huge infrastructure built up in terms of storage facilities, we've adopted the umbilical systems and uh, trailing shoes and less and so on where are they at this stage?
3: Probably a long way behind us Matt I think Um, there's
1: an awful
3: lot of lagoons over there there's an awful lot of um, irrigation systems that are using the dairy water and water off the lagoons, um, and just reading a good bit about it this time over, an awful lot of problems around that. Um, like we have, we have water and nitrogen problems here. I think they're they're from what I can gather they're they're minimal enough compared to the problems over there with with um with nutrients in the water and
1: nutrients going to the water. And and uh. do they have uh, at this stage the same kind of uh, regulatory imposition, uh, closed periods, for instance.
3: Yes, the regulatory, and that's the same problem with farmers over there as here. It's a little bit all over the place. Um, there's a lot of audits from different bodies. They're trying to collate that into the one. Fonterra have, you know, I won't say imposed, but they've had to. There has to be a program for environment and greenhouse gas emissions on every farm by 2025 that was to come into play in 2025 but the government has changed and the new government is is way more farmer friendly um from the 6 or 7 years of of um ardens government and that has been repealed now to 2030 but they still have to do the environmental plans in the meantime per if far- with each farm so it's uh, driving a lot of the, o- the older farmers and the, the ones that don't want to do all the bookwork out of business
1: and something that farmers here find very annoying: this idea of being promoted, at least by some people, that uh, we need to cull cattle, that we need to reduce the herd, even though the lakes of Brazil is increasing annually by more than our entire herd. But is is there any uh, focus on that? There's not, Matt. But I think I think like there, like is happening
3: here, and and it is happening in New Zealand. There's a lot of good science around the whole thing. You know, I mean, with the work that Tagus have done on spreading fertilizer or spreading, um, slurry, as you say here, um, there's huge improvements in, in the use of it. Um, they're getting to that there as well. The, the whole environmental structure is being driven there. Um, they haven't got the slurry holding capacity. They haven't really got slurry spreading facilities. Um, but cows then tend to be, oh, out probably 10, 11 months, but there are, there are some of the bigger farms with runoffs. Um, and there is a, a, a hell of a problem coming off of that. Um, yeah. I think I, I saw a figure there lately that I mean, six million cows. You're dealing with 200,000 tons of slurry a day, so when you think about it, there's there has to be some some level of control to manage that.
1: Yeah, no, you you're involved at this stage and and, and at various levels in the development of these um, additives for methane suppression uh, is, is that being widely adopted in New Zealand or is it still in the gestation period no I would say behind here
3: um, we've we have um, you know the, the only one that's been proven is the MSD one <coughs> but it's more for for indoor feeding systems than it is for outdoor systems there's two or three different products that have gone down the road the testing has to be very severe and I mean there's two or three products out there that have had four, or five, seven peer-reviewed papers done around them, but I reckon there's still three or four good good trials to be done on them. Um, you know, the, the probably more prominent one in in Ireland through Tagus is the Roman glass one out of the west of Ireland, and that's that's standing the pace pretty well. There's been a lot of work done around seaweeds in Australia, New Zealand, and here, but. They're inconsistent, and there's a there's a you know a problem on under the, on the carcinogenic end of it, um, but yes, I got I got involved in one that that has been developed in Australia in Melbourne, and through my work in New Zealand, and um, and we have actually done quite a few visits around here with it, and. We do need to get more research on it. There's research going on in Canada and Brazil, on it, and then big, another big trial in New Zealand. But we want to get some work done in Europe, yeah.
1: And uh, in another focus, uh, um, and we spoke about it before: uh, guano boost, this this natural bird fertilizer, if you like. Uh, you're you're involved in the development of that. No, I mean it's 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 in widespread use in the lakes of South Africa and that. But to introduce it to Europe, challenges. Yeah, big challenges, Matt. I mean, we've been, we've been a year, I think we met you only a year ago. We met you with
3: some of the principals out of New Zealand. Um, we've been a year, to be honest, getting, getting, um, licenses for it. <clears throat> and it's been quite thorough. I mean, there's a 30 page dossier that you have to fill up through veterinary in, in, um, South Africa. We went to South Africa actually for three weeks and because we wanted to follow up on the stories we were hearing about how good it was and, and we were pretty confident still after, after visiting about, um, what, 12 farms over there well, pretty sizable places. So we're, we've got our final, actually, we've got our final clearance on it, I think, last week, um, and we're hoping to get product in here in April May and try it out here.
1: John, you're listening away to Pat there, and uh, in, in some ways New Zealand, a different culture, but it's still mainstream agriculture, grassland-based. You, you can... You can um easily identify with it but uh, in terms of contracting then you mentioned some of the challenges Pat mentioned some of the challenges one of the biggest ones, labour go there again
0: Yes, uh, well (laughs) how do you go there again when the feed of, how will I put this the labour supply is dwindling because we're all getting older experienced operators are retiring but there are no new training services for people to come on board to fill the gap there's no apprenticeship to fill the gap for machinery operators and agricultural sector and though the bit that is there runs on ancient equipment to be honest and uh, they're trying their best in fair play to them you know there are training uh, facilities in some of the colleges with simulators and so forth but it's, uh, it's too far behind the technology is moving on beyond the stimulator and, and moving forward to in the field and how to practice. And we've seen our colleagues across Europe in our uh, industry, the way they have uh, adapted similar traits to try and get people to uh, get trained up. But And they're working through third level and so forth. But it's to attract people into the industry is the problem. The career path is scarce or non-existent, and there's no real pathway designed yet. And because there's none there then, people won't see a future. If they don't see a future, why would they And of course, then we are in a scarce uh, labour supply market, and there are other more attractive alternatives that uh, can allow you to have a reasonable weekend off as opposed to when you're working with the weather. Well, you could be working, shall we say, in the yard all week, and then the weekend picks up, as it did last uh, year several times, and you end up spending the weekend in the fields trying to get the work done. So it's not simple to try and manage scarce resources and labour being one of the scarcest. And the next scarce resource after that is finance, trying to get paid on time serious problem at the minute people are struggling to try and make payments on machinery uh, when they don't have the work done. There's people with hedge cutters who didn't get out into the fields over the last back end and uh, this now it's closing tonight at midnight, the season for cutting hedges so they haven't got the money earned from the machine to make the payments and they're looking at getting out of the game, uh, parking up ser- fertile, uh, uh, hedge cutters and that, that service has gone in that area then so there are serious issues in terms of trying to manage the resources and uh, the weather is plenty huge factor in all of it, as we've seen.
1: And looking then looking looking forward then to the to the to the rest of the year, your anticipation is that it's it's going to be a huge amount of, a wall of work facing you in in, in a very restricted timescale, and most particularly in tillage, in the immediacy.
0: Well, indeed, in the immediate, and then when you look at the government and they want to increase tillage for, uh, by 50,000 hectares uh, to 400,000 hectares, but the question is, uh, who's going to do all this work? It's all very well to talk about it. I mean, you can't get foresters to go in with the harvest machinery to take uh, out the ash dieback because there's no money in it. It would cost them more money then they're actually airing out of it so they're losing money on it and it, things have to be attractive for people there have to be a financial reward in it now I mean we work for people who gamble on putting a crop in the ground and hope to make a reward out of it and, and at the price of green wheat at the minute at 185 euros it doesn't make it's not shall we say economically attractive if you're in the game you have to stay in the game obviously for the long haul but uh, to make it appealable for people to change systems it's not simple at the minute and in our case our, and in the, our clients our all getting older and there is a uh, pathway for young farmers to come forward but there's not one clear defined as i said earlier on in our industry and more and more contractors are finding themselves coming under more and more pressure for to get more work done for their farming clients because the farmers are not able to reach on it the workload is increasing and we see it in in our membership that they uh, when we did a survey on them and they said, we're maxed out, a lot of them are. They don't want any more work. So if a contractor, like it was mentioned earlier in New Zealand, packs up, well, in this case here in Ireland, you know, there are smaller operators and the work will be absorbed by those around them, but only to a pint. A sponge will only soak up so much water, and a contractor can only do so much work. You can't over-promise and under-deliver. It, it should be the other way around. You need to have the capacity, and they don't have the capacity because they don't see the financial reward for the investments that they're putting into it.
1: Problems, problems. And all of those, of course, would have been reflected on at your national conference back in December. The, the Farm Contractors of, of Ireland you would have held your national conference.
0: Yes. oh, well, we didn't. We got all those um, comments from the floor. And indeed, after, you tend to get more comments because people are, shall we say, not prone to air their mm. grievances in, the case, in public. Often the case, yeah. So, uh, and, and the, the, the meeting after the meeting, if you like, is always the better one. And uh, we had a local meeting recently in Mullinabat uh, of local contractors from the southeast. And again, you get these problems coming uh, up from the floor. And when you talk to people privately, you know, uh, what I mentioned earlier about uh, not making the repayments because their work's not done and not getting paid on time and so on. And farmers are using contractors as bankers. And, and uh, to be honest, we don't have license to be bankers. So, you know, this it, issue has to be addressed.
2: The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by tierlawnfarmlife.com.
1: We're continuing our conversation with Pat Call and uh, John Hughes. Oh, Pat, I should ask you. Tipperary going to win the All-Ireland this year? (laughs) I think you asked me that a few years, Matt. (laughs) I I wouldn't exactly be going too far beyond Limerick, to be honest. (laughs) No, none of us, none of us, none of us would. John, going back to you, we we were, we were discussing costs. And there's a myriad of costs, some of them less obvious than others. The likes of pensions, for instance, and the the minimum wage. Now, we live in a very high-cost economy. Everyone knows that the minimum wage needs to be paid and increased so that people can make some kind of a living. But the other side of the page is that
0: it has to be paid, and, and that drives up costs then to the service providers. It does indeed, and when costs go up, then you're trying to... Where do you go when the cost goes up? You have to lay it out on your guide a price for what you need to do to cover your costs and if you don't cover your costs you're eventually going to run out of fuel oxygen and your business implodes and the banks come knocking on the door and they take away what you have or you get out of the game and I suppose that's what driven a lot of contractors out of the game over the last 5 or 6 years there were some high profile uh, people who got out of the game uh, out of the industry and it made pages in the farming press and so forth but then there was many other smaller operators who went out of the game and disappeared into the twilight and decided to move on and that service was lost to the local area and the workload then was passed on to other contractors who may or may not have been able to pick it up. And if you don't have a cover your costs, it is a problem. So yes, we do have pensions coming down the line in May and we have increased costs for the minimum wage and you can't blame people for not re- um, asking for uh, a pay increase because costs in the economy are rising. And indeed the costs of the contractors are rising. Tractors were going up a €1,000 a month last year for a period of time. Now, tractors are 1,000 euros uh, per horsepower, minimum, if you can uh, get them at that kind of rate. So uh, machinery, well, a couple of years ago it was not available. Now it's very available, but it's very expensive. And operating it is even more expensive. And what do you do if you don't have the operators to do the work? And we see it in, uh, from our members that they are coming under more and more pressure to do more and more work for more people.
1: Yeah, is 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 there a realization, Pat Cal, in New Zealand amongst farmers that you know the contracting is a is is a specialist service, a necessary service, a valuable service, and increasingly um, a scarce service?
3: Yes, Matt, there's an absolute realization on that because, in fairness, if a, if a farmer here might spread some fertiliser or something else over there with the with the three, four 500 hectares or five hundred cows they basically depend 90% on the contractor or 95% on the contractor to do everything on farm. So there is. The the same problems are there that, that um, John talked about. And I mean, for the first time, now maybe it's a bit, but the first time a lot of contractors would say, look, at, they're waiting on a lot of money from farmers and the farmers are struggling a bit to pay them. And where that's coming is that, I think that farmers are pretty heavily borrowed in New Zealand all the time. And that was always okay with the banks because if you take that, Back, back 20 years ago, land was 10, 15,000 a hectare and that, that kept rising to 60,000. But for the last two or two years, that's actually dropping. So they've gone from the 60,000 hectare back down towards 50, 55 and a bit less again on poor land. And so the whole equity on the farm, you know, it starts dropping and the banks are, you know, start putting a bit of, yeah. severe pressure but they, and then they because, start
1: scratching their heads then to they, tend, know that.
3: they tend to borrow fairly heavily over there anyway you know y-
1: yeah highly highly leveraged yeah. uh, in in terms then of the investment and i 'll put this to uh, in in the contra- in the contractor scenario and i 'll put it to both of you in a moment in the contractor scenario as well as the farmer scenario the investment the high investment that has to be made whether it 's in farming or in providing contractor services. Sometimes I wonder—is it reflected in in the likely uh, return from it, Pat? Oh,
3: I had an answer one. way Matt I I was with some contractors and and Michael, bayers, which I was very familiar with over my life. They're they're, they're very strong over there. Yeah, you I were very in involved that. in the, yes, the, years, and silage, and the silage yes, silages um, development, and um, you know, I sat on bailers with lads over there, and they were. Quite a few new ones around, but they were paying two fifty and two sixty thousand New Zealand dollars for them. And John'll know what kind of a tractor needs to be in front of them to pull it on hilly land. A lot of hilly land there. And then, then contractors tell me, no, they were they were they were doing fifteen thousand bales or twenty thousand bales max, and some of them doing ten thousand bales with these. And I'm kind of saying to myself, like, it's a hell of a lot of of finance to to make that kind of bales. Now I know they're they have another thirty or forty tractors in the air and that, but. The big thing is what John mentioned there, the price of machinery come from where it was um five or seven years ago. Labour has been a, a big issue and, and getting labor and, and the cost of labor, but the price of machinery I think is really the one that's after because contrary, I think, maybe to here, John, a lot of New Zealand contractors they tend to change their tractors every year or two. They have a quite a fleet of new tractors there. But that's that's becoming old now or it's not it's not happening.
1: And one of their precious sources of uh, labour, of, of drivers,
3: Irish. Huge. It's, it's, um, I think that's still fairly solid. Um, it amazed me the first time I was travelling around there that, that there's just probably, in a workforce of 30 or 40, there will be 4, five, ten Irish drivers that go over there all the time. And the, the, the really nice thing about it is that they're highly thought of and the businesses would tell you straight out that a lot of the businesses would struggle over there without it. They, they work very hard. They'll they'll, they'll they'll mine machinery, and they'll also drink plenty of beer when they're there.
1: So, but they're. they're What's they're, not to you know, like about it?
3: But but they're they're um they're well thought
1: of for sure. Yeah. Yeah, John. Um, at least the tractor is a multitasker. Justify that combine that that extraordinarily expensive combine that's parked up for
0: ten months of the year. Uh, <laughs> I suppose a business plan that stacks up. Uh yeah, you're cutting a crop that's worth uh, you know, the price of the cutting per acre to ye- to the contractor, but it's worth six, seven, eight hundred euros to the farmer. And it's easy to have a million euros worth of grain in the field if you have a large enough farm, you can justify your own combine. But those who have 200 acres, you know, they couldn't afford a combine and, and they're not making small combines that are affordable as it was anymore and I put this question to uh, the head of northern um, sales for Class at uh, so Kelly's Open Night uh, recently and they said, "You." you guys, you said, want bigger machines, you want higher machines, wider machines, more horsepower, He said, so that's what we're building. They're not making small machines anymore. So the costs are going to go to the roof then for them. So obviously you need the acres to cover the repayments on them. And the biggest repayment uh, cost, you I say, to the machine that people don't I suppose, really nail down is the depreciation. 10% of the purchase price in the first five years. So it's 10%, 10%, so on, 50% over five years. And if you're spending 400000 on a combine, that's forty grand in the first year of depreciation so it's, it takes a lot of money to cover all that but I suppose you'd have an asset at the end of the year but um, we mentioned it earlier about the labour and there was a recent court case in Ireland to do with an Irish man who went to New Zealand but uh, the problem we mentioned with, about that uh, people uh, from, from New Zealand operators good skilled operators we mentioned with our colleagues in New Zealand about getting their guys to come up here when their winter is on and our summer is in. And we can't bring them in because the, we have to advertise in the EU for labour first uh, before we can go down that route and we can't get permits to bring them in. The paperwork and the logistics is not working in our favour. We may have to review that and we've been on the government departments about that, but we hope to try and get something in it in the future. But living on hope is no good. We need actual uh, boots on the ground in order to get these machines moving. Even
1: though, even though the, 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 two seasons are, are at opposite ends of the, of the annual spectrum, it makes, make perfect sense to have a migrant labour force that are, that are interested and willing, obviously, and, and adventurous to some extent. I want to turn the conversation around, not completely now, but, want to uh, compare and contrast, first of all, with you, Pat, the degree of automation that's happening in New Zealand, not just because of labour, but because of efficiency and so on. For many years, you've been involved uh, with, with, with the whole automated calf feeding system. Has that uh, taken off to any huge extent in New Zealand? It's definitely going ahead, but slower than I would
3: have thought um, Just the numbers are nearly too big for it and the weather is probably too favourable that they can rear a lot of calves out outside for for period of time. But yes, there's um you know, this time around I came on three or four lads that were in it in a big way that had seven and eight feeders in. But it's not it's not wholesale. What's gone big is is, um is the is the halter systems for cows. Control paddock grazing, the control to heats to measure heats, measure rumination. All that—that's getting to be a, a major one now. Um, and newish enough, it's only started off four or five years ago, but it, that's, that's grown a pace. And of course, the drones for different jobs are are being widely used. Um, yeah.
1: How about, how about John automation, um, from, from your perspective? We spoke on the farm show to Maurice Kelly of, of Boris, uh, there a couple of weeks ago and he had a bot, which I thought was a bit of a fly, but this thing is over 200 horsepower, no cab, completely automated, and he has one in the country already and there's a couple of hundred across the globe, uh, being utilized. Now, I reckon it's a specialist area for, for special crops like horticulture and so on, but, um, you know, will,
0: will that, will get gather traction, if you'll, again, pardon the pun. Indeed, uh, yes, a driverless tractor. Well, all the operator, the large machinery manufacturers are all in the, looking in that uh, area and developing and putting a lot of money into their developments. Um, uh, look, 20 years ago, who would have said that you'd have a self-steering tractor with a man sitting in it, which is what we have now with GPS, controlling the rate of fertiliser, seed going out, spray going out, etc. Section control. You know, in 20 years' time, you know, we could be sitting on the headland with a whole load of robot tractors working up and down the field. Maybe small, but all working. And I'd say it's coming. I had a long conversation uh, with the chap, the Robinson was his name, who was the agent for those uh, um, track machines. But they are at the minute, you know, they're twice the price of an agricultural tractor. So, but again, you need specialised training in how to operate them. So we're not looking at, uh, um, shall we say, the standard farm operator to operate these. You're looking at Technical people, because in order to be able to deal with the issues that they pop up when you can't fix it, a a lump hammer and a box of tools won't be any use to you when it's all electronics.
1: No, but at least they can work 24-7, um, yes. keep them fueled and keep them operated. But then you need the kind of scale, and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a but, different world entirely. But if a
0: contractor had a lorry load of these bots that were, you know, say, covering two metres wide, and they go up and down the field on predetermined lines, and uh, they operate autonomously with small corn for argument's sake, and they're moving along at two miles an hour perhaps and they, so when you hit a stone it doesn't do any harm uh, it rolls over etc um, the contractor could roll in with a fleet of these saw the car and work 24 hours a day when the weather is in it load up the lorry and go on down the road to the next guy so you know it's a different scenario doing the same job you know different technique but again uh, at the end of the day the crop is in the ground and who cares whether it was a massive turkey drill put at the ground or a robot throw over the field that was as long as it gets the work
1: done efficiently just before we conclude I know a lot of your members uh, and farmers in general
0: have been hit badly by thieves GPS systems oh it's a big problem a couple of years ago across Europe there was only a few hundred uh, stolen now it's the thousands so we'll be discussing with our people in, in across Europe in our um, organisation called Sea Tower uh, all the contractor associations are involved in that and and um, It is an issue. There are certain brands that are uh, high target uh, value, easy to take off and so forth. And uh, anyone who's listening and has a GPS system on their tractor, make sure you get the serial number of the receiver, the serial number of the screen in the cab and issue list them separately on your insurance policy because the tractor on its own won't cover the two of them. they are add-ons the same as a top link. So you have to make sure you get cover on them and uh, talk to your insurance people about it. John Hughes, Chairman
1: of FCI, the Farm Contractors uh, Association of Ireland and um, Pat Cal, recently returned from New Zealand. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk rugby. I know you went to a few of the, of the matches but that'll be for another day. Thank you both very much for coming into studio this evening.
0: The Farm Show on Casey
2: KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by tierlawnfarmlife.com
1: Tomorrow is the 1st of March, but no great sign of some of that nice spring weather so badly needed out on farms. Eamon Corcoran is a Chagask advisor and was out on a farm yesterday up in the north of the county. And how are things going there, Eamon?
4: Yes, Matt. So thanks very much for having us on this evening. Yes, conditions on farm across the county and even yesterday up in northwest west are, are tricky. Ground trafficability ability in some farms is difficult at the moment and, and getting stock out is pr- pr- proving difficult in a lot of farms. But I suppose what we would advise farmers would see based on just recent visits to farms that when land is actually walked, farmers have fields that can get stock out. to. It. You know, it might not be for a full day's grazing, Matt, but in certain circumstances, um, stock can be got out for a number of hours grazing, you know, in certain days. Obviously, some days are allowed that and other days won't, but... We'd be encouraging farmers to get stock out and start grazing straight away, you know, like you said, March, it is the first of March, you know, tomorrow, so the year's moving on, you know.
1: Yeah, at this stage, any grass is better than no grass. If you can get a few hours grass, you're getting, you could be getting five or six kilos into cows.
4: Correct, Matt. Yeah, like even a day allocation from 8am to 12pm or 1pm, like cows have the capability of taking in six to seven kilos of dry matter in that period with with good conditions, like, and obviously, On farm at the moment, that is the cheapest feed that farmers have. As you're aware, and and most farmers are, there's a, you know, some farmers have a a fodder shortage out there, okay? So it's important that farmers realise that there's plenty of feed out on farms. Like we just looked at some of the data from County Kenny. We just pulled off figures there earlier this morning. And we see average farm cover. Well, a lot of Kenny farms are measuring grass at over a thousand kilos of dry matter per hectare. You know me, Which means there's sufficient grass out there to maintain grass in the diet day and night for farmers, doctor on three cows to hectare right up until Magic Day on their farm. That's obviously farm-specific, but, you know, around the 10th of April, so there's plenty of forage, uh, fodder on the on the land in terms of uh, grazed grass that can be utilised, you know, as uh, cheapest feed available to both dry stock and dairy enterprises this spring, and there's plenty of, of grass out there with good growth conditions. We see grass growth this week of between 8 to 13 kilograms of dry matter per hectare per day, which is good like for this time of the year, which is on par with other years, you know. I just looked at some soil temperature data from County Kkenny from the 1st of February to 28 inclusive, which soil temperature has been averaging over 7 degrees since the 1st of February in Kkenny alone. So that would indicate that grass growth is there. And it's good to see with, with an average temperature of that for the month of February, albeit in wet conditions.
1: Yeah, and of course, you, you can't allow it all to, to, to pile up and increase, or it, it has implications for further on for the whole grazing season, really.
4: Correct. And like a lot of fields haven't seen livestock in most farms since early November. So land has got a good rest, and that will benefit in getting stock out early where, where land has been rested and has a good cover like to, to, to help to help grazing conditions. It's, you know, that that has been a help, yes.
1: Yeah, and of course, apart from the cow health, uh, benefits of being out and the productivity, I mean, your solids will go up, obviously. There's the sheer economics of it as well. It's a, it's a lot more costly having that indoor oh, yeah. feed predominant.
0: Oh, well, correct. Like,
4: and if we look at grass coming at 11 cents a kilo there for, for spring graze grass. Versus your silage, at 22 cent and, and concentrates range January from $0. 36 cent to $0. 40 cents per kilo. Like you said, Matt, earlier, you know, getting six to seven kilos of dry matter of grass into those cows or, or, or cattle, whatever it be, depending on your farm, like it has huge benefits uh, economically, we have been the cheapest feed on farms at the moment. So it's just, we'd urge farmers, like we always say, to walk the farm because you actually, you know, a lot of people have been very extremely busy at the month of February. You know, me and Calvin in most farms is 20 February. So farmers are extremely busy. Uh, and there's a lot of stock, uh, a lot of cows per, 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 labour unit now, a lot of farms. So people don't have a lot of time, uh, in the month of February to get walking and get cows out. And, you know, we, we, can, we can get quite laid back and it's just easier to leave them in, you know. But it's important now that we, we head to the first of March, that so you haven't commenced grazing, that you walk your farm and, and, and try your best to get stock out, you know, albeit for a few hours, because ground is tricky on a lot of farms. You know, some farms have a very dry side, but obviously a lot of farms at the moment are still quite wet. Yeah,
1: I met a couple of merchants last week and the general opinion was hardly any fertiliser moving at all.
4: That would be correct, Matt. And just speaking to farmers and, and on-farm yesterday, like the, 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 the host farmer we were yesterday now, like he had no chemical nitrogen spread to date. He had organic nitrogen spread on his outblocks. But we'd be advocating now at this stage, at the 1st of March, when we see soil temperatures over 7 degrees average for the month of February, and growth at the moment between 8 to 13 kilos of dry matter like that would indicate that there is response there from be it organic or inorganic nitrogen. So like some farmers, we'd be be encouraging farmers now at this stage, if they haven't any chemical or or organic nitrogen on their fields, to go with at least 30 units of nitrogen in the form of protected urea on on good perennial grass wards, you know. Also, if the story got out on that back in early January, maybe after the opening, we would encourage farmers also to go with chemical nitrogen in those wards now as well. Uh, on good perennial ryegrass wars, obviously depending on traffic ability of the farm, but at this stage now with with the growth that's coming, the soil temperatures that are there, you know, the volumes of rainfall predicted over the next couple of days are low, albeit air, air temperature, you know, wouldn't be exceptional for time of year, but soil temperature seems to be holding like yesterday and even last week we had soil temperatures in Kilkenny at 8 to 10 degrees Celsius, you know, so soil temperature is, is holding well. So we be, uh, we be advocating the farmers get out there, you know, depending on the grass demand and their, and their, and their sward type, but a good perennial grass swards, if they have a, a good demand for grass in the spring, we put now 30 units of nitrogen per, per, per acre. Um, and also that can be done in the, with the form of a slurry. Also, you know, two and a half, three thousand gallons of slurry per acre. We provide that good cattle slurry coming in there between, you know, eight units of nitrogen per thousand gallons, you know, depending on of it's, so source within the farmyard. You know, you have two forms of getting that out there, be it organic or inorganic, but it needs to be got out uh, sooner rather than later, obviously depending on your farm, you know.
1: And what's the advice in terms of of nitrogen then? Protected urea, just as good or even better than can?
4: Oh, definitely, Matt. I yeah, know, like, we'd be advocating use protected urea, even at this stage in the year. You know, a lot of farmers have perception out there that protected urea is for the summertime to replace your can, but even in early springtime, it will reduce your ammonia emissions, and reduce greenhouse gases. Like re- Research has been conducted on, on trial work, we'll say, on your standard uh, livestock farm, at, at three at a tree cows to the hectare, where, where they've changed their strategy from, we'll say, cut s'mores and pasture wars and can back to protected urea and, and use feeding seeds well. And that's providing an economic saving as well as an environmental benefit as well. So we've been very much encouraging people to, as they are to fertilise now, and you said, there's a lot of fertilizer hasn't even been moved around farms yet, so it's not on the road. So as you go to order, we we'll would be the farmers order protected urea and for the phosphorus and potassium sources then that they'd order an 18612 product um, to top up. Obviously then this year is a little bit different, Matt, with the fertilizer register in place now and the requirement there under nitrates regulations that farmers stocked over 130 kilos of nitrogen per hectare to 170 would have a nutrient management plan done. So we'd be advocating that farmers that haven't got soil samples taken yet that are in that bracket, or even those below 130 that wish they could get a nutrient management plan done, that they do so straight away. So they require soil samples for every four hectares of their farm, last year's concentrates, and then the previous year's grassland stocking rate as well. And that'll dictate their allowances, you know. So things are slightly different this year, and it's important that farmers know that they need to register, first of all, for the fertilizer database, and also then if they haven't the nutrient management and up to date that they should get one done through their, their advisor or, or some company that they, they deal with. And so there's slight changes out there this year going forward. Obviously then you have the new nitrates limits there that are in place depending on your previous grassland stocking rate. And So it's important that you consult with your advisor on your limits for the year depending on your stocking rate and At the moment, there's still a review ongoing um, and there could be a slight reduction in those, another further 10% in those chemical nitrogen application rates this year.
1: It's no wonder farmers are suggesting that they're being driven to destruction by book work. But anyway, that's, that's not your fault, Eamon. Thanks very much for your time this evening. Much
4: appreciated. No problem, man. Take care.
2: Now let's get a sheep report from Eric. Another very large sale today in Tullow here with over 1,500 sheep on offer and all we can say is the trade continues to march on forwards and it's great to be able to report it here for the farming industry. Looking to them prices there today, then them hoggets over 52 kilos, selling up to a top call today of 197. 197 here in Tullow and got on more than one occasion I might add. But those genuine well-fleshed heavy hoggets they're selling from 180 upwards for those weights. So well, you'd see the 50, 48 to 51 and 2 kilos, uh, they selling in the region there, from 168 up to 180, there differential in price, but also in the flesh of those hoggets. But a very strong trade for anything with flesh. Store trade here, Mark stepped up the gear again. Also here, those lighter store hoggets, them 30 to 33 kilos. They selling in the region there today, from 118 up to 127 and eight here, and those 40 to 43 and four kilos. Great confidence here. They 145 up to 160, and a very lively trade also. Yo's with lambs at foot here then. Uh, looking to the yo's and lambs at foot trade there. Those aged shows with single lambs selling from 160 up to 235 there, given for younger yo's with a single lamb, strong lambs, with double units up to a top call of 330 euro here, uh, with the more aged double units from 260 upwards. Cash yo trade, good lively trade for those heavy yo's there. We've probably seen a little bit of improvement again there up to 2 euro a kilo and, and 201 and 202 a kilo got there for them well heavy yo's, with the lighter store yo selling from 140 to 170, but them fit yos there, them good, strong, fit yos there, selling 160, 70, very lively trade for Kylo. And in lamb yos sale here then, those good, ch- those good yos there, them strong yos up to a top call of 225, cattle sale on Friday, and it all happens again here next Tuesday. But I'll leave you on the high note. Those 55 Kylos today, 197, all happening in Tullow. Thank you the Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com.
1: KCLR Mart Report. Sponsored by Kilkenny Livestock Mart. Serving the farming community for over 60 years. 700 cattle went through the rings today at Killeen
5: Hill. Let's hear the details from George. Yes indeed Matt, smaller sale than lastly, quality light bullocks and heifers they're absolutely on fire up to 390 kilo, so you're very shy, you're almost there to 4 euro a kilo for those uh, store bullocks, quality lots, which are scarce Uh, quality freesians also up to 270 per kilo today beef type animals were in short supplies, so um, I'm not sure why factories are dropping in quotes but uh, maybe uh, they they know something out don't but today around the ring there was no drop in price it was the same as three weeks ago when uh, price was 525, 530 so the 600 kilo Bullock range from 250 to 343 uh, per kilo, that's uh, 1580 to 2420 that was for a uh, 2 Charlie Bullock 760, 2420 5 uh, to 600 kilo Bullock from 215 to 335 per kilo, 1080 to a top call there of 1900 euro per head, average there was 285 in the beef sector, it was also eight Five per kilo. Four to five hundred kilo bullock from one ninety to three fifty five per kilo, seven eighty to sixteen thirty per head, average in at two sixty five per kilo. Under four hundred kilo, a great price here for some cattle, one eighty to three ninety per kilo. Uh, three ninety per kilo pertain to uh, four Charlie bullocks, three thirty six kilo, thirteen hundred and ten, confidence in the future there, or uh, the average price there with two seventy five per kilo. Our sale of Culkows and Tuesday a smaller affair, ninety, ninety odd on offer, Free Asian cold cows one fifteen to two ten per kilo with the Continentals to one six five to two seventy per kilo. The quotes are supposed to be back, but there's nothing back about that trade. Beef heifers again an excellent trade, uh, two forty to three sixty per kilo, fourteen hundred euro to two thousand three hundred per head. An average price here, average price, remember for beef heifers three oh six per kilo. Uh, forward store heifers from two forty to three forty per kilo, ten eighty to eighteen forty per head. Average there at two eighty per kilo, and in the lighter types they range from two 30 to 3.70 per kilo and uh, 3.70 per kilo relating to uh, six limits and 3.65, 13.50 and an average there of three eight. So very, very hot trade. It wasn't a very warm day, but uh, the trade around the ring was very, very hot, Matt. Yeah, ex- Excuse me there now, a, a
1: cough coming on. I've actually, yeah. I've invested, uh, uh, funds in half a dozen throat
5: lozenge companies, right. uh, and I'm expecting huge dividends by next week. I suggest maybe take some Nilvern. Uh, right on the, on the, on the, uh, calf, uh, on the calf front, uh, Friesian bull calves the top rate are runs 60 euro to 230 per head. Second rates from 5 to 50 euro per head. Continentals from 130 to 400 euro per head. Sorry, Matt. Uh, Continentals from 100 to 320 per head. Uh, and Angus bulls uh, from 80 to 300 per head 500 or should I say Angus Heifers and uh, Hereford heifers, 50 to 285 per head. Quickly on to the sheep and the sheep on Monday, as Eric said, they're alight, light, they're on fire. Uh, they made from the butcher lamb, 180 to 194 per head. Uh, no, a top price there, 195 per head. Factories types from 148 to 178 per head and uh, the no store lambs on offer actually. Uh, so that just shows you they're a scarce commodity. Um, the cull from 92 to 188 per head. We had a special clearance sale of dairy on last month Monday. And in this uh, uh, one herd, it uh, ranged from 1,100 to 20,40 per head. Nice average there, 1,550 per head. Uh, first rate Friesian in the other sector of uh, the dairy. Uh, first calvers uh, uh, and uh, cows and heifers there. Top rates 1,500 to 2,100 per head. Second types from 1,000 to 1,400 euro per head. Busy week next week. On Monday next, we have uh, 80 fresh calf cows at 12.30 that sale. Uh, Friesian heifers and cows involved. Most of those are calves. We have also a sheep sale at 10.15 or 10 a.m., should I say, on Monday morning. Tuesday, a cold cow ring kicks off at uh, 10 o'clock, plus calves in ring two at 10.30. We've also a small pedigree angus herd. It's uh, the uh, Gre- Gregarra, uh clearance sale, and there's more about that on the Kilkenny page, so have a look at it. Uh, Thursday next, we have a general cattle sale, ring number one, heifers, and ring number two, bullocks, and 10.30 kick off there. I want to say to the people in Coon, Castle Warren, they're some producers of Stockmat. They absolutely produce super ganimals today. And I want to remind people also of Wednesday next in the New Park Hotel. It's the Mayor's uh, Table Quiz. Now, there's still places available for that. It's all in A November, and it's been fronted by uh, Joe Malone, our, our, our Mayor, and uh, backed by the Lions Club. So that should be uh, well worth attending next Wednesday night, uh, the 6th of March at 2024. If you're not sure about more details, uh, Get to the mart and they'll get you my mobile number to give you more data on that. But on the cattle front, the sheep front, everything is flying at the moment. Uh, Some of those planar calves maybe not not as easy to get away. And, of course, that's very much dependent, Matt, on export uh, issues. And if if a boat is stopped for maybe 24 hours or 48 hours, there is a backlog. And we have to contend with that. And before we get back to the to the business of livestock, and and who might the ringmaster, the question master, be at this? Case? No, it's not me actually. Pat uh, Pat Handlin is there. I I am the peak, peak Keep, keeping people in order, emceeing the thing, you know, I will... Uh, will or oh, a bigger yes. job altogether. Uh, I a mean, bigger job altogether, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't uh, be intelligent enough to give those questions. Just in, anyway. in the
1: moment we have, I, I was reading today that the Australian sheep flock and their lamb production peaked last year in 2023, and still no sign of a dampening
5: uh, the the prices this part of the world, which is great. Uh, yes, Matt, but but uh, ironically enough, the cheapest product at the moment is in lamb Yours, know, You're know. you talking about a price range there from €100, Euro Euro in lamb Yours to uh, maybe 200 euro but there's very very few punters for them which would suggest that those are just consolidated what they have there's not any any new entrants coming into the, the the sheep industry which is sad because at the moment when you're getting sort of um, those heavy hoggets 185 185 per head it's very attractive prices and uh, uh, men of course were brave to buy them as stores maybe and if they have their own product of course they're being very well rewarded and it's good to see the sheep front uh, getting that uh, that little bit of a, a boost and uh, with ramadan coming up i can't see any drop in the price in the in the distant in the future anyway
1: oh, and that's reassuring and uh, just on a, on another point um you're speaking about being rewarded calf prices reflective of the their presentation uh, of the of their age, presentation and and, so and, and, and,
5: and and once again uh, try to hold on your calves as long as possible 21 days preferably but with no compulsion on that but all in all and give them plenty of these things George, many thanks. Martin, thank you. Uh, For me, Matt
1: O'Keefe, until next week, farm well, farm safely. Good night and goodbye.
2: The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by tierlawnfarmlife.com.